0: Well, it's May 3rd, so you may say it's way too early to make any sort of predictions or get any sort of vibe for how the LSU football team and the rest of the SEC may look in the fall, but I say let's just do it anyway. On today's edition of Locked on LSU, we will look into what the national analysts are saying not just about the Tigers, but about the rest of the SEC and what about LSU might stand out. All of that and more on Locked on LSU. You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making locks on LSU your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever that might be. You can check us out there, but you can also watch... The podcast as well on YouTube. So make sure to hit that subscribe button at the Locked On LSU YouTube page so you'll get notified as soon as the episodes drop every day so you won't miss a second of the Locked On LSU content. I'm Caroline Fenton. I am your host, as I am every day. I am an LSU alum, diehard LSU sports fan, and I now host a sports talk radio show in Nashville, Tennessee for ESPN 1025. The game you can follow me on Twitter at Caroline Fenton1. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On LSU. I'll updates to both of those accounts as well. But you know it may seem too early. You may say it's baseball season, it's basketball playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs. You know it's too early to think about college football but I know me and you also probably are starved for any sort of college football content that we can get. I mean I'm giddy for the season. I'm ready for the season to start. So when I saw that CBS Sports' Barrett Salee put out a list of Each SEC team's way too early prediction, I thought, okay, great, because, you know, screw the Stanley Cup playoffs, I'm kidding. Um, But I, I, you know, I wanted to see what he had to say about LSU and the rest of the SEC. And what he said about LSU wasn't necessarily the most surprising thing in the world to me, but compared to the rest of the SEC, I thought it was very interesting. So I'll read you what he has to say about LSU his way too early, this is Barrett Lee of CBS Sports, way too early prediction for LSU is that the Tigers are a top-tier defensive front, saying that the new defensive coordinator Matt House has a solid foundation to work with. They've got edge threat B.J. O'Jolari, veteran Ali Gay, um, but Matt House isn't married to a specific scre- scheme that showed in the spring game with several different and the versatility and creativity of that roster will make it a force this fall. Now, that's anything that we don't know already ourselves we knew going into this new season and into the spring game that Matt House was going to let the roster decide the scheme was going to let the strengths of this defensive of of this defense decide what the defensive scheme was going to be I think after the spring game we saw that this defensive front is full of some bad boys now I think we saw that in the spring game, LSU having kind of a slow start on offense, but starting immediately on defense, coming out the gates with sack after sack after sack, with tackle after tackle after tackle, tackle, being able to stop the offense. And, you know, the defense coming out swinging and the offense kind of having to take the half to kind of recuperate and kind of get back to their game plan, I think was was. Definitely showed that, of course, you take the spring game with this with a grain of salt because it's still early, it was only April. you can't really fully tackle it's not a full on fully physical football game, so take all of it with a grain of salt, but I think that what at least what I saw and I think probably what you saw too as well from the spring game was that the defense was definitely lost a lot left a lot of over optimism. I don't think anyone would disagree with us there, but I look at the rest of the way too early. That Barrett Sally put out for uh, the rest of the SEC. And all but one other than LSU is all offensively motivated. Alabama saying they're running back Jameer Gibbs will lead the nation in rushing. Auburn, his prediction for who will be their QB1. Robbie Ashford coming in, taking the spot over Zach Calzada. Texas A&M transfer, and of course, T.J. Finley transfer a couple years ago from LSU. Florida, Anthony Richardson, a Heisman Trophy finalist. Detson Bennett for Georgia. Will Levis for Kentucky. Spencer Rattler for South Carolina. Will Rogers for Mississippi State. Nathaniel Pete, Missouri's running back, rushing for 1,000 or more yards. Ole Miss putting up, you know, marquee numbers on offense his uh way too early prediction for Ole Miss is that the Rebels will lead the nation in total offense Tennessee with Hendon Hooker and that incredibly upbeat offense and of course offense is going to be the sexiest thing that we're going to look at in this group of quarterbacks coming at the Southeast Conference there are a lot of really really high quality quarterbacks running backs just offenses as a whole but I thought it was very interesting that only one of two teams to be, you know, Barrett Salih's, you know, bold prediction for the year was defensively motivated. And I, I I stepped back and I thought, I wonder why that is. Is it because there's hasn't been a quarterback named? Well, there hasn't been a quarterback named at Auburn either, but that was Barrett Salih's bold prediction for Auburn was who was going to be the starting quarterback admittedly when I opened that article before I even read what he had to say about LSU I kind of expected it to be quarterback motivated because I think that's what our conversations have been surrounding and what our biggest you know off-season discussion has been surrounding is the quarterback battle and I thought you know I guess we're kind of going back to you know The pre-2019 days of LSU football of just really good, hard-nosed defense. Of course, the offense stole the show in 2019, but LSU in the past had found so much success on defense. I thought, is that what we're getting back to? And then I thought, that's really not the worst thing in the world. Look at Georgia this past year. Georgia didn't do anything flashy on offense. Of course, they had George Pickens, who was a great wide receiver. You didn't see him go in the first round of the NFL draft. Stetson Bennett... I don't think that he, you know, I feel confident in saying that today on May 3rd, 2022, I don't think Stetson Bennett is going to be a high round draft pick. I don't think Stetson Bennett is going to be one of those quarterbacks that has an incredibly successful and long career in the NFL. He might, but I'm not putting my money on it. Georgia didn't have anything flashy on offense this past year, but they won the national championship and they had such a successful regular season because of their defense and I know that you're probably listening to this and thinking, okay, well, what about the cornerback position? That position is so, you know, so shallow. There's not a ton of established talent there. Well, when you think about who was drafted from Georgia, Trevon Walker, Nekobi Dean, it wasn't their corners. It was the men up front. It was the pass rushers. It was the edge rushers. It was the guys in the trenches who were putting pressure on the quarterback. That's what was so successful about Georgia's defense was the pressure on the quarterback. Because if you pressure the quarterback, then you take the, the load off of the corner. That makes his job so much easier. So, and Barrett Lee mentions Alec Gay, BG Jolari, Mason Smith, you could even add into that discussion as well of these just bad men in the trenches that can disrupt the quarterback. Georgia this past year was able to find so much success with it. So if that's what LSU's where LSU's greatest strength lies this year, I think that LSU can find an exorbitant amount of success if they just continue to pressure the quarterback. And that's not to say that I think that LSU's offense this year is going to resemble um, Georgia's of last year. because I, like, Although Georgia's offense wasn't bad last year by any means. They won a national championship, for crying out loud. You don't win a national championship with an average to below average offense. But there wasn't anything flashy about it we won't necessarily know exactly what this offense is going to look like until a starting quarterback is named. I mean, it could be drastically different. If you just look at the skill set of Miles Brennan versus Jaden Daniels, this offense could be drastically different. But since there is so much of a question mark at quarterback, and I know that wide receiver is such a deep and talented position group for LSU, and if they are able to put in a quarterback that's able to kind of really work off of those strengths and that depth at the wide receiver position being great, then LSU is going to be super talented on both sides of the ball. But where it stands today with so many question marks at the quarterback position... I feel after reading this article and kind of looking at the rest of the SEC, I mean, it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be a really, really difficult year in the Southeastern Conference. But I think that I do and I think that you should find a lot of comfort in the fact that this early in the spring, that this early in spring practice and you know, following the spring game, LSU's defensive front looks like an incredibly disruptive force. But coming up next, kind of a a somber story um, coming out about a former LSU player, how that affects LSU and kind of how you should, how I feel about it as a fan and maybe how you should feel as well. We'll get into that coming up next, but before that, um, we have a few messages from our sponsors. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making Locked On LSU your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. This story um, coming out Sunday evening, morning-ish. Eli Ricks, former uh, LSU defensive back who transferred to Alabama, Uh, last season Um, it came out on Sunday evening Monday morning ish that he was arrested in Mississippi on Sunday um, for speeding driving without insurance and possession of marijuana now I have a a lot of thoughts on this first and foremost being I don't want to look at Eli Ricks like he's a bad guy because if you really look at it it is they're they're minor infractions yes you know speeding and smoking weed is bad and both of those things are against the law but when you really look at it I mean it's it's pretty minor um I can't believe that Eli Ricks had any sort of ill will or bad intentions with what he was doing um I think that it was just a stupid decision that he made um so I don't want to look at Eli Ricks and say you know good thing I'm glad he's gone you know that was bad he's a bad guy Because I don't really think that he necessarily is. And I don't think that this should be any indication for why you should feel one way or another about him. If you dislike the way that he left LSU's program, that's one thing. And it's completely understandable. If you dislike, you know, his attitude or whatever it might be. I I get it. That's totally your prerogative. But I wouldn't let this instance make you look at Eli Ricks and say, you know, bad guy. Um, Because... Albeit those things are bad. Albeit he did get arrested for possession of marijuana, driving without insurance, and speeding. Um, I don't believe that he had any bad intention to hurt other people. And that's what I think is, is the worst offense, is whenever you have ill will toward another human being. But I'll look at it this way, kind of on the other side. And I'll take a page out of Mike Rabel's playbook. I covered the Tennessee Titans here in Nashville. And this is one kind of phrase that Mike Rabel head coach of the Tennessee Titans, reigning coach of the year in the NFL, kind of what he says a lot and what he hammers on and kind of what I go back to a lot whenever I'm, I'm looking at this team and it's don't do dumb stuff to hurt the team. He doesn't say the word stuff. It's a little bit more harsh than that um, but this is a PG program so I'll say stuff. Don't do dumb stuff that hurts the team. That's what Eli Ricks did on Sunday. He did something dumb that hurt the team. Uh, I don't know what Nick Saban is going to do. I don't know if they're going to handle it totally internally, or that Nick Saban and company, uh, they will you know, deal with it themselves. I don't know if it'll be where the NCAA interjects. I don't know if he's going to be suspended. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how Alabama is going to deal with it. I don't know how the NCAA is going to deal with it. Um, I don't think that this is the, the first time and it won't be the last time that a college football player gets caught doing something that they weren't supposed to do. Unfortunately, it's not the first time, and unfortunately, it won't be the last time that a college football player breaks the law and gets arrested for it. Um, and that's a bad thing. But, you know, however they choose to deal with it is kind of their prerogative. But I look at Eli Ricks, who made a very selfish decision on Sunday. You know, that's incredibly risky behavior. He did dumb stuff that hurt the team. Whether he, he is out for you know the first game of the season, whether it's a, a couple weeks of the season where um, you know he's on probation or if he's out of practice or whatever it might be, that hurts the team not having him able to contribute on defense. That hurts the team having to put a player that maybe isn't necessarily ready for that start quite yet because he can't be there. Maybe he's not. Maybe this is something that Nick Saban says it's a slap on the wrist. Maybe it's nothing. I don't know. I, I, I tend to believe that Nick Saban runs a pretty tight ship, so I have to believe there will be some sort of repercussions here. But even still, it's a distraction, and that hurts the team. I understand that today is May 3rd, and I understand that it's not in the middle of October and, you know... Alabama isn't staring down the pipe of a Tennessee or an Auburn game or an LSU game or it's not in the middle of the season and that's probably not the biggest headline right now in college football. However, this is an incredibly competitive league and every team has to take every opportunity to get every leg up that they possibly can. So Alabama kind of dealing with this distraction more than anything. Um, It's a distraction and it looks really bad on Eli Ricks. It looks really bad on the program. Um and I just I guess overall, you know, I can't say that this would have happened if he was at LSU or if not. Um I'm not going to say that good thing he's gone. Glad he's not wearing an LSU uniform anymore because I think that might be a little bit too harsh. But I am going to say not our circus, not our monkeys. And sometimes that is kind of a good thing whenever you don't have to deal with someone else's circus and someone else's monkeys. Um, I understand that there are a lot of LSU fans out there who have really bitter tastes in their mouth about the way in which Eli Ricks left. You're not alone there. I'm I'm with you. It was frustrating to see the way in which he left. It was frustrating to see the way that he just kind of moved on from LSU like it it didn't really mean anything to him. It's almost like, you know, when you're in a relationship with someone, it's like your your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend moved on to someone else really quickly. And now they're moving in together and they're getting engaged. It's like you feel a little bit um, betrayed. And I understand that if, if, if LSU fans feel a little bit of that, of a bad taste in their mouth about Eli Ricks. Um, I don't blame you. It's, I don't blame you. He's not a bad guy. He's not a bad person because of what he did on Sunday night, because of he because he got arrested for having lead and driving too fast. That doesn't make him a bad person, but it does make him a bad teammate for doing stupid, for doing something stupid that hurt the team. So we'll continue to develop, um, to follow the developments of Eli Ricks' situation. Something may come of it. Something may not um, hate to see something like that happen to a young person who is incredibly talented that has a very bright future ahead of them. Um, He only did it to himself. And again, I mean, it was it's it's a minor infraction. I guess he got arrested. And yes, it's drugs. And yes, it's bad. Um, But we'll see what happens with it. And we'll see what comes with Eli Ricks and his legal situation coming down the pipe. But coming up next, LSU baseball taking on Nickel State at home tonight, first pitch at 6 30. What exactly can we look for? And what about tonight could set up LSU for a lot of success for an SEC West matchup um, coming up this weekend against Alabama? We'll get into that coming up next. But before we do that, I want to tell you about Bet Online because Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports information. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season we've got the Grizz and the Golden State Warriors uh, heading off in the Western Conference semifinals Grizz looked really good in the first game Golden State ended up with a win but I do think that Memphis comes back with a big win against Golden State in their next matchup so check out the odds on bet online it's your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs esports, and more head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action bet online where the game starts LSU baseball with a midweek matchup with their in-state rival, Nibble State, um, at the box tonight. First pitch at 6.30. But I think the, the really interesting thing about tonight is, and I, I've i said it so many times and I want to reiterate it, that I'm never going to take too much away from a midweek game. Just like I'm not going to take way too much away from a spring game, I'm not going to take too much away from a midweek game. We've seen LSU lose more midweek games than we'd like against, you know, the UNOs of the world, the Southerns of the world, teams that probably don't have as much talent and aren't as um, competitive as LSU might be. But I look at midweek games as kind of a reset, as kind of an experiment, as a way to say, okay, you know, we just won a series against the second best team in the SEC East. We're now tied with several other teams in the SEC. We're competitive right now. And we're going to have to continue to be competitive in order to, you know, set ourselves up for the best possible scenario in the postseason taking on Alabama this weekend who currently sits at 9 and 12 in the SEC is an incredibly critical weekend for LSU baseball for so many reasons in order to to maintain their level at, at the SEC West or even kind of boost themselves up into the top of the SEC West is currently sitting at the top spot uh the SEC West and LSU kind of hang in there in the middle with Auburn and Texas and them um, all sitting at 12 and 9. So this is a really critical weekend with Alabama. And we're getting into the time of year where every weekend is critical. weekend has been critical. But especially now that we're coming down the pipe, now that we're in the month of May, I mean, Omaha and Hoover are really close. They're only a few weeks away. So winning every possible game should be, you know, and, and being able to pick up as many SEC wins is priority number one. But you can't do that unless you set yourself up for success in the middle of the week. And LSU kind of has been struggling a lot with injuries and hasn't been able to necessarily set themselves up for the most success because they don't have their most successful and talented players out there. You look at Gavin Duga, who's been kind of in and out of the lineup with a hand injury. Alex Malazzo, Javin Coleman, Cade Beloso, who's only been able to play in three games so far this season who with an injury very first game of the season. You look at Drew Bianco, who had shoulder surgery um, in the offseason after he ran into the dugout at the end of last season against Auburn. So he's kind of been just getting his feet wet, trying to get back into the swing of things. And those are the guys that you're going to need if you're going to make a run to the postseason. But you don't necessarily trust those guys coming back from injury who have been out from games, who haven't been in game shape, who haven't been kind of in the nitty-gritty of things, coming into a really critical series against Alabama on the road. Drew Bianco came in um, this past weekend against Georgia and he was in the outfield ran into the wall and I I watched it and I cringed a little bit and I think everyone in the stands cringed a little bit he came out to pinch it um, in the following inning and and Jay Johnson said no you know come on come back like there's no need to push it here Um, but it's that kind of thing that these injuries albeit Hurt and hinder this LSU baseball team, it also gives them a really wonderful opportunity to explore the lineup. And I think that's the great part about midweek games is that if they drop a game to Nichols State because the lineup wasn't fine-tuned or because there was maybe a guy out there that doesn't have a ton of in-game experience and he was just getting the mistakes out, you know, I, I can live with that at night. Um, this is Jay Johnson on Drew Bianco and how he is kind of coming along in his recovery. Thank you for him. It's been a tough go. I mean, he's been hurt the whole time I've been here. I mean, with one thing or another. And, um, you know, wants to make a positive contribution. And then uh, took a tough at-bat with two outs and a man on second, uh, two strikes, and almost put one into the gap there. So really happy for him. Uh, We need some more answers um, against left-handed pitching, and I think he can be part of that solution. And he absolutely could be part of that solution, very much so. Um, But like I said, tonight... Against Nickel State gives them such a wonderful opportunity to explore um, new faces in the lineup. It allows them to kind of do a little bit of Tetris on which areas of the lineup could do a little bit of fine tuning, just kind of ironing out any sort of issues that this team could have been facing, especially with injury. Um, you look at Josh Stevenson, who's been put in um, in place of Gavin Dugas, who had a pretty solid series against Georgia, you know, made a nice little snag. I believe it was in that series against Missouri, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it's that kind of thing. You know, injuries, you never want to see them happen to your team. But they're going to happen inevitably, especially at this point in the season when not every team 100%, when everyone just feels little bit banged. whenever you are in the brunt of the season but they've got big games coming up um so I think tonight will be really exciting to see you know maybe some guys that we don't see a lot see how LSU is able to kind of cope with their injuries and make the best of it. Because if one player emerges as being incredibly talented against the nickels of the world or, you know, showing flashes of a lot of talent against Georgia or Missouri or these these weekend SEC matchups, then I think that only sets up LSU for more success in the future and only more depth in the future because, unfortunately, injuries in this game are just kind of inevitable. But like I said, tonight against Nickel State at the box, first pitch at 6.30 – um, we'll have a full breakdown on that tomorrow. Also, tomorrow is a Mailbag Wednesday, so make sure to get your questions in. If you have them for me, you can send them in on Twitter at CarolineFenton1 or at LSU. You can tweet them out or you can DM them. Whatever your questions might be, I'll get to those tomorrow on a Mailbag Wednesday. But that's going to do it for me today. Thank you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on SEC. Get all your daily SEC news in less than 30 minutes with SEC expert Chris Gordon. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.